Okay, we're about to go full New Year's. Ready? Ten, nine, eight, eight seven, seven, six. six this is faster than I remember. Five, five four, three, two, one. Happy New Year. We still okay. fucked it up. God we still damn a it. little bit. We, it, we got the countdown in there. It's close enough. It's this fine. is crime culture. We're not well. No, we're not well. Maybe, maybe he'll put the countdown in there. Who's to say? Jesus God. It reminds me, if you haven't seen Fire Island yet at anybody, but especially Haley, it reminds me of a particular scene. Um, that is Cryptic. very funny. It's a very funny scene. Okay. It's a very funny scene, but I don't want to give too much away. I, I added I it to want my you list. To experience it as your whole, as a whole. God damn it! I added it to my list, but then I got sidetracked because I watched The Bear. Oh, you, you, we're halfway you watched through, it, yeah. right? Yeah, it's very good. Highly recommend. It's on Hulu. Watch The Bear. Watch um, The Bear. That is your pre-episode recommendation. It's your homework. And oh, this is a lighter one. This I shouldn't say that. It's like it's we're we're a roller coaster. We dip. Yeah. We go back up. We dip. Um, and for those who didn't read the title, today we're talking about Winona Ryder. Fun. Um, which I tried to time up with the Stranger Things premiere and it did not work out well because I have no concept of time or space. But yeah, yes. we're, we're like almost a month <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. delayed from that uh-huh. premiere. So yep. good job. You did great. Yeah, we got there. It's, you know what? It happened. Um, it's fine because now everybody has time to know about any spoilers that I won't be saying because upon saying that I'm thinking and I don't really indicate many spoilers. Uh, but that's fine because you know what? Now you have time in case you were worried. And yeah. that's Haley. Hi. I'm Caitlin. Yo. And drum roll please, Elliot. Before yeah. Free Britney, before Free Shakira, because that's going on right now. There was. Uh, I just read that Shakira uh, is uh, quoted for tax evasion over eight years. They No, like they want to put her away for eight years. Oh, I thought she in evaded Spain. taxes for eight years. I read eight years in prison, maybe both. Poor Kate we'll, we'll, we'll do an episode on it. We'll do an episode yeah, on it. This yeah, is possibly. not about Shakira. No. We, are, we are two decades behind, okay? We are in Winona territory. This is free Winona time. Um... And there are a few true crime connections for Ryder besides the obvious one. Yeah, um, I, I only knew of the, the stealing stuff. I didn't know of anything else. Well, now you just spoiled it. I think other people know that. <laughs> That's like the popular one. It is. It is the popular one. Although if you um, only know Winona Ryder from Stranger Things, maybe you don't know that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Though I, I'm, it, it pains me to say... But I have a feeling that there will probably be some more youthful listeners who may go, oh, she's the girl in Beetlejuice or in Heathers or in XYZ. Like, you know what I mean? I can see this happening. I can see this happening. Yes. Yes. She's an icon. Like, consider this your education. But hopping right into it. Hop. Hopper. Hop, hop, hop. Oh, God damn it. Yes. 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 Team Hopper. Team Joyce. Um. Hoist? I don't know. We'll Jopper? decide. Jopper? I think it's Jopper. Bi-op? I think that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I believe you. I believe you. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's occurring to me now that I don't think we know Hopper's first name. I mean, it's probably been told to us, but I don't think anybody calls him that. I wouldn't know um, it on a quiz. You, you would or would not? Wouldn't. 
Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wouldn't know. Um, I'm sure that we've been made aware at some point, but he's, he's fucking Hopper. Anyway, Jim, anyway. It's fucking Jim. Jim. Of it's course God it is. fucking damn it. It's Jim Hopper. No, and they say we it all the time. And you know what? We can't remove that from the episode. I had two margaritas at lunch, so. <laughs> and I'm perpetually sober. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, so. we're fucking dumb. It's not about him. It's about Winona Ryder. I was going to say, I was going to say, we've got to stop giving men the platform. <laughs> For, for these things. God damn it. I want to hear everybody that was yelling at us be like, it's fucking Jim, you dumb bitch. It's your dad's name. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Jesus. God. Go on. So, Winona Laura Horowitz was born in a farmhouse on October 29th, 1971, in Olmstead County, Minnesota, to Cynthia, that word I love, nay, nay, nay? I don't know. But her maiden we'll name was learn. Istas. I will never learn this. I've, mm-hmm. I've given up on it. Um, I've even looked it up for those who are like, she doesn't even bother to look it up. I've tried looking it up. It just doesn't stick. Yeah. That and Hopper's first name, they don't stick. Nope. Um, but yeah, so she, Cynthia Istas, was, is, was, I don't know of her current status, but an author, video producer, and editor. And then her father, Michael D. Hurwitz, is slash was an author, editor, publisher, and antiquarian bookseller. Excuse? Uh-huh. Oh, just wait, baby, because he was he also worked as an archivist for psychologist and LSD guru, Timothy Leary. Damn. Is, he's famous. Yeah. 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 Uh, who became writer's godfather. Oh. Yes. And her parents named her after a nearby town, Winona, Winona, I can't speak it, Winona, Minnesota. Okay. And then Laura, her middle name, came from their good friend, Laura Huxley, the wife of writer Aldous Huxley. Oh, okay. Yes. Th- this, this family was connected. Sounds her parents like it. were writers. And so, you know, like all the writers are friends at this point. And so they were also friends with like Philip K. Dick, Allen Ginsberg, just like a ton of creative beatnik writer, poet types. Mm-hmm. And writer was what's called a shoelace baby. What? Yep, which means that she was born, she arrived early, um, a little sooner than they anticipated, and Uh so they boiled a shoelace and tied it around the umbilical cord to sever it. Oh. Because she was, you know, she made her entrance early. Um, Now, before anybody comes for me, though, I'm not saying this is what people should do in these situations. I am not a medical expert. I saw conflicting views on whether or not this was okay to do. So I am just going to say that it was the 70s. They were hippies and leave it at that. I'm going to say go to the hospital if you are having a baby. But that's what I'm saying. Like she they couldn't get to the hospital in time. So they had to like. It was like a Seth Meyers situation. Yes, it was a Seth Meyers situation, except instead of a hotel or a apartment building lobby, they are at their home in Minnesota with a pot of boiling water and a shoelace. Um, okay. Seth Meyers, if you're listening, let us know if you used a shoelace to cut your baby's umbilical cord. Um, no, I think he just stood there like a useless man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said, not us. Yeah. Um, so... She was the oldest child born to Cynthia and Michael. She has a younger brother, Yuri, spelled U-R-I-E, like Michael Yuri from Ugly Betty. I hate that I know this. And he was named after the first man in space, Yuri Gagarin. Gagarin? I don't remember. I used to know it in school. And then she has two older half-siblings from her mother's previous marriage, Jabal Palmer and Sunyata Palmer. 
Such fun names in this family. Very fun names. I love it. They're hippies. I'm here for it. I love the fact that they named her after a town that was nearby that just sounded cool. Love that. Well, I I mean, apparently it was like where she grew up, not grew up, grew up, but like that's where they lived. Yeah. But then I I was seeing conflicting statements, but I was like, this is definitely the county where she was born. So that's what we're going to say. That's fun. Um, I like that. But yeah. So the family spent some time in Colombia with Chilean revolutionaries in the mid-1970s. Casual. Okay. Like we all did. Yes, as we all did. And then when Ryder was seven, the family moved to Rainbow, a hippie commune in Northern California near Elk in Mendocino County, California, where they lived with seven other families on a 300-acre ranch for about four years. Wow. And although there weren't any television sets or electricity on the commune, when Ryder was seven years old, her mother began to manage an old movie theater in a nearby barn and would screen movies all day. And she let her daughter miss school and come watch movies with her. And this really kind of helped her love of film blossom. She also really had a love of reading and writing because, again, she was raised by two writers as a child. She was like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a writer. And so she read J.D. Salinger's Catcher in the Rye very young. And that quickly became her favorite book. And it remains so today. Nice. So in 1983, Ryder and her parents and her family, you know, moved to Petaluma, California, and she enrolled at Kenilworth Junior High in Petaluma. And during her first week, she was bullied by her peers for just being Mm. different, um, as many have been. I'm sure growing Um, up on a commune wasn't like the typical, I mean, it was the 70s, so maybe she wasn't the only person that had that kind of like upgrade. Or they'd heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it wasn't even that, though. It was like among the reasons was that she wore Salvation Army clothes. Uh, They thought she was a scrawny, effeminate boy when they first saw her. Mm. They would call her the F word, Um, not the fuck word, but the less slur, the much. Yes, the F slur. Thank you. That's even better. Um, I don't know why I didn't think of that. But one day these bullies just kind of attacked her and beat her so badly that she needed stitches. (gasps) Uh, which all just really called back for me. Um, this is where I guess a minor spoiler for Stranger Things season four comes in, but just like part one, not part two. Um, it reminds me of Eleven's experience in the yeah. latest season. And like without any spoilers, again, just like how she starts high school in a new place in California wearing these hand me down clothes. She clearly isn't like the other kids and she's just like massively bullied for it. Yeah. And I actually did hear a lot of people online talking about like the bullying was excessive in that like first part of stranger things i was like yeah people did that people did that people still do that yeah like it's and it happened to writer it happened to many people it happened to me um but writer was ultimately expelled from school for her own quote-unquote safety and she was expelled yes and then she was homeschooled let's not uh punish the bullies yeah yeah take out don't take out the bad apples just take out the good apple yep but uh yeah so then when she was about 10 to 12 years old my sources differed she began taking acting classes at the american conservatory theater in san francisco california and later told new york magazine that like so she wanted to become an actor and her parents were supportive of these ambitions but quote they had the whole judy garland thing stuck in their minds end quote and we've talked about this how Mm. judy garland was just like a child actor that was like forced onto pills from a very early age. It fucked up her life. Garland actually died two years before um, uh, uh, Ryder was born. Yeah. So it so was fresh seen in their minds. Whole, yeah, they'd yeah. seen that whole thing play out. Yeah. 
Um, so Ryder was ultimately discovered by a casting director at Salma Gundy, which is one of the biggest art organizations in the United States. And her big break came soon after when she submitted a video audition for the 1986 film Desert Bloom. She didn't get the part, but director David Seltzer caught wind of the 13-year-old, because she's literally, she's 13. Mm-hmm. And the, he, he cast her as the as the character Rena in his 1986 dramedy Lucas, alongside, again, like big names of the 80s and today, uh, Corey Haim, mm-hmm. Charlie Sheen, and Courtney Thorne-Smith. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't just like the the start of her acting career. This was the start of like Winona Ryder as a celebrity persona. Okay. Like it was just it that like, early. Y- yes. And no, well not not I mean like like um how do I put this? Like her brand. Not okay. not she didn't necessarily become like famous okay. after this. But it was just like like for example when they called her and asked her how she wanted to have her name appear in the credits, she was like mulling it over and in the background. So I heard two different things. Either her dad's Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels album was playing in the background. He was a big fan. Um, Mitch Ryder was a like a soul and a rock and roll um, musician at the uh-huh. time. And it, either, either the album was playing or she like saw it out of the corner of the, her eye. And that's why she said, okay, Winona Ryder, like bill me as Winona Ryder. It's like a fun name too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like a, a good get. Exactly. And then when she auditioned for Lucas, her hair was dyed black and the look was so striking that she was asked to keep it um, because when she was a kid, she was like a lot of kids. She was a natural blonde and then her hair darkened up as she got older. But at the time she was a natural blonde and she was experimenting with fun colors like blue and purple and shit like that. And so at the time that she auditioned, she had dyed it black for fun. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, 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 we love this. Can you keep it like this? And then she was just she was just advised like it was such an iconic look that she continued to keep her hair dark for the majority of her career. Yeah. Um, And so the movie has Lucas has a six point nine out of ten on IMDb, a seventy eight percent Google score and a seventy three tomato meter rating with a seventy percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. And with that, we are off to the races because Ryder's work in Lucas went on to grab the attention of a small-time director by the name of Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who was so impressed with her performance that he decided to cast Ryder as the depressed manic pixie goth dream girl, Lydia Dietz, in a little 1988 American comedy. Dark comedy? Black comedy? What would we call this? I don't know, but we'd call it Beetlejuice, and we won't say it three times. No. No. But um, yeah, so Ryder later told Flicks and Bits, quote, I've known Tim Burton for 25 years and I credit him with my career. I really mean that, end quote. I feel like she had like such the look that if she was like 15, 20 years older, Tim Burton would have married her. (laughs) Like probably she just like looks like the little like goth chick that he would like eventually end up marrying in Helena Bonham Carter. Well, and that's what I was going to say. And she and Helena Bonham Carter were like often up for the same roles. Like, for example, she lost out on the role in Fight Club that Helena Bonham Carter got mm. to mm-hmm. Helena Bonham Carter. How many more yeah, times yeah. can we say it? Um, that Her name is like Beetlejuice. If I say it one more time, she'll appear in my living room. And while I would fucking love that, that would derail this entire episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So 
She was saying that when they first met, quote, this guy came in and started talking about movies and music. And 25 minutes later, I was like, when is this Tim Burton guy coming? And he was like, that's me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and I had no idea that a director could actually be so cool and I could easily hang out with them, you know, end quote. So this started their friendship, but this also really did like kick off her career because the movie, it's got a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb, an 83% Google score with an 85% tomato meter rating and an 82% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics consensus, quote, brilliantly bizarre and overflowing with ideas. Beetlejuice offers some of Michael Keaton's most deliciously manic work and creepy, funny fun for the whole family, end quote. And it's true. Michael Keaton plays Beetlejuice. Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis play the like, ghost couple that is haunting this house yep. fucking Catherine o'hara moira rose from schitt's creek plays the stepmom jeffrey jones we're not talking about him um but yeah so the the the, the movie was wildly successful but even after this success writers bullying experiences continued throughout high school that's um, wild after she, being in such a successful movie yeah, she later told Marie Claire, quote, I remember thinking, oh, it's like the number one movie. This is going to make things great at school. But it made things worse. They called me a witch, end quote. Wow. Yeah, you just I was, can't win. I was just listening to, I think it was the latest episode of the Boy Meets World Rewatch podcast, and they actually said something similar, that they were in this, like, hit show, and when they would go to school, like, they would still get bullied. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, acting wasn't, like seen as like cool i guess acting wasn't cool but then also kids are jealous kids are mean yeah i guess so and like we've talked Any, about this their brains aren't fully different. developed to know that shit is out of line yeah anything that's different is like all the ready scene is unacceptable yeah absolutely so the following year Ryder also starred as Veronica in the cult classic Heathers, which oh, some of you may know from the musical and therefore by a devolution, the TikTok song, Veronica, open the, open the door, please. That's all her. That's on She TikTok. is Veronica. That's on TikTok. It's on TikTok. It's like a whole ass thing, babe. Coming I'm back. telling you, get on here. Um, candy store, scream it in my car all the time. Wow. But um, yeah, a little, a little peek behind the curtain there. So, but her agent actually begged her not to do the yep, movie. I had heard of this. Yep. Saying that her career, it, like this will torpedo your career. But as we all know now, the effect ended up being the exact opposite. If yeah. anything, it cemented her status as a teen star. And Heather's has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb an 81% Google score. And I, I'm not going to lie. I started to say Gilbert because I'm thinking of Barrett Gilbert Weed. Who Love her. Who played... She originated the role of Veronica in the musical because I am a nerd. Uh, but no, it has an 81% Google score, a 100% Gilbert score, though, and a 93% tomato meter rating. I think it's Barrett Wilbur. Wait, it is. It is. is it? But I'm, yeah, but I'm okay, broken. Yeah. yeah. That was As another I was saying Jim that, Hopper I was like, thing. it's Wilbur. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Right. It's Google um, and Wilbur combined. Yes, exactly. And a little t at the end. Um, but... It's got a 93% tomato meter rating and an 83% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics consensus, quote, dark, cynical and subversive. Heathers gently applies a chainsaw to the conventions of the high school movie, changing the game for teen comedies to follow, end quote. And if by some fluke you haven't seen it yet, you can watch it for free on Tubi, which love that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Ryder wasn't just wildly talented and successful in her acting career. 
She also attended and in 1989 graduated from Petaluma High School with a 4.0 GPA. Wow. Yeah. Girl's While smart. also being an actress. Yeah. Girl is Damn. smart. So around the same time of her graduation in June 1989, 17-year-old writer met fellow actor, 26-year-old Johnny Depp at the premiere of the movie Great Balls of Fire. And yep. the two began dating two months later. And, of course, like, they waited until she was 18. Um, uh-huh. So I guess that's not two months. But you know what I mean. They waited until she was 18. And then they started dating. And they quickly fell for each other, with Depp even getting that now infamous tattoo in her honor, reading Win- Winona Forever, which now reads Wino Forever. I bet you can't guess why. Yep. Um, and they became engaged about a year after first meeting in July tw- in July 1990, I almost said 2020, Freudian slip. And the couple even went on to star opposite one another as star-crossed lovers in another Tim Burton film, Edward Scissorhands, which mm-hmm. was released six months after their engagement in December 1990. And also stars Diane Weist, who I once saw in a H&M. And Isn't it our Weist? favorite. No. I thought you said... Weast. Oh, that was that's a SpongeBob quote. Which that's a SpongeBob know. quote. Yeah, I'm like, nah. <laughs> no, um, I thought it was Diane Weast. I'm stupid. I believe it's Weist, but it? I could be wrong. I could be you, wrong, but you I say, believe you it's should, Weist. You say it fancier than I do. I mean, yeah, I say all that shit fancier than you do. I grew up in Connecticut. I'm sorry. I'm um, also trying to get my cat to stop <laughs> eating a feather in the background. No, so. I'm enjoying it very much. <laughs> I'm enjoying this very much. Um, but yes, it also stars a favorite of this podcast, Vincent Price, whom, as uh-huh. I just said, we love. And you can watch the movie on Disney Plus, which is a fun fact I learned while researching this episode. And now we know what I'll be doing after this. And it has a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb, a 79% Google score, and a 90% tomato meter rating on Rotten Tomatoes with a 90, yeah, 91% audience score. And the critics' consensus, quote, the first collaboration between Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. Edward Scissorhands is a magical modern fairy tale with gothic overtones and a sweet center, end quote. Very fun. I concur. So the couple's engagement lasted for three years before the two ultimately broke up with Ryder later telling Elle in 2009 that it was, quote, my first real breakup, the first heartbreak, end quote. Mm. Um, because from what I've seen in other interviews, like he was her first everything. First boyfriend, first fiance, first everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that had to have been very difficult. Um, and it was apparently very difficult for, for just like everybody involved because Depp told the Los Angeles Times in 1993, quote, it's very hard to have a personal life in this town. My relationship with Winona, it was my mistake as, to be as open as we were, but I thought if we were honest, it would destroy that curiosity monster. Instead, it fed it, gave people license to feel they were part of it, end quote. Did we ever get like any type of information on who called it off or was it a mutual thing or... I, if I remember, did they keep all that quiet? No, it, I I remember reading it a long time ago. I want to say it was like he was working a lot and she was working a lot, and it was just like they it was like a stupid reason, like that they broke up, like they could have made it work, but they just like yeah broke up because it was hard and they were kids. Um, yeah, but it's like wrong time type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Burton, who, again, was a mutual friend of the two, he later said of the breakup, quote, I felt so bad. I asked him why it happened, but all he said was it wasn't her fault. It was mine. It wasn't the same as Winona. I felt weird to be around him. 
like he wasn't acting like Johnny anymore. It's almost mm. like Winona took Johnny's soul, Johnny's love, end quote. Mm. Had he married Amber? I mean, had he married had he married Winona? I mean, I don't know. I'm just Could, wondering. Would things have been different? That's hard to butterfly even say. Butterfly effect. Yeah, butterfly effect. But though the relationship has been over for decades, we are now at our first true crime connection because it has remained a focal point for many fans, especially given the recent accusations against Depp of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Which July, we have an entire episode on. Which Go we did an entire episode on. Um, and in July 2020, so not for anything, but like 30 years after the two first got engaged, multiple witness statements, including one from Ryder, were released to the public during Depp's lawsuit against British tabloid The Sun um, for def- it was a defamation suit. We talk about it in the thing. Yep. But um, the, the witness statements were seen as like not important and they released like all of them to the public when they were seen as like they weren't going to be included in the case. Uh-huh. Um, but everybody really latched onto hers. And in her statement, she said, quote, I understand that it is very important that I speak from my own experience as I obviously was not there during this marriage to Amber. But mm-hmm. from my experience, which was so wildly different, I was absolutely shocked, confused and upset when I heard the accusations against him. The idea that he is an incredibly violent person is the farthest thing from the Johnny I knew and loved. I cannot wrap my head around these accusations. He was never, never violent towards me. He was never, never abusive at all towards me. He has never been violent or abusive towards anybody I have seen. I truly and honestly only know him as a really good man, an incredibly loving, extremely caring guy who was so very protective of me and the people that he loves, and I felt so very, very safe with him. I do not want to call anyone a liar, but from my experience of Johnny, it is impossible to believe that such horrific allegations are true. I find it extremely upsetting knowing him as I do, end quote. And unfortunately, we all didn't know then what we know now. So this statement was met with a lot of scrutiny and criticism, as were these other victim uh, witness statements, character statements, mm-hmm. because people were saying that like Ryder and her fellow witnesses were basically just defending Depp as this powerful, like, but abusive guy. Um, she, because, I mean, she, she again, said accused of. Yeah. yeah, but she said, she's like, I'm speaking from my own experience. I was not there during their relationship. And also their relationship ended, what, 30 years 30, prior? Th- so no, like, it, it, they got engaged 30 years prior. But yeah. yeah, like, so a little under 30. So like, how, like how many of you out there have changed in 30 years? Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. it's conceivable that he could have become that person. But like, she's speaking from her own experience. Exactly. But But anyway, so in the summer of 1993, we are back in the 90s. So soon after she had broken up with Depp, Ryder, quote, hit bottom, as she later told AMC. And she briefly checked herself into a mental hospital. Uh, sources, sources differ on how old she was. But because she was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, um, suffering from depression, exhaustion, and anxiety attacks from constantly working on films, uh, she later told Harper's Bazaar, quote, I was in a really bad state, end quote. Uh, she later explained to the publication J Vibe, which, if I'm get well, from what I've gathered, is like a a like Tiger Beat meets J Date. Okay, does that make sense? Sure, but weird. Um, like it's like it's like a Tiger Beat that exclusively focused on Jewish people, Jewish celebrities. Okay. Um, but she said of like her her mental health and her state quote my heart would suddenly would suddenly start thumping at 90 miles an hour and i'd be sweating 
I was 19 at the time and felt totally alone. I felt I couldn't tell anybody in the world how I felt. It's a horrible feeling not to be able to describe that fear and terror. You're on a plane and you want to desperately get off. So you turn to the stranger in the next seat and you want to say something, but you don't know what to say. It's scary, real horrible and scary, end quote. Hmm. And she said of the mental hospital, quote, I didn't really get anything from that place. I really didn't. I went there. I was so tired. I just wanted to sleep. They didn't help me at all, end quote. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. However, one thing that she did get out of it was the perspective that would ultimately help her identify with her character, Susanna Kaysen, in the 1990 film, 1999 film Girl Interrupted. Um, and so she, that, that's what this interview with J5 was about. And she said, um, quote, I could have been that woman. I strongly identified with what she went through. I, too, have been a patient in a mental hospital and have suffered from depression, panic attacks, panic and anxiety attacks. I was only there for five days, but it definitely it was definitely something that I could use for the movie. That feeling when you first walk into a place, you feel very alone and frightened. But I was a volunteer patient, so I could leave at any time. So it was different. End quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so Girl Interrupted has a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb, an 87% Google score. And this honestly shocked me. A 53% tomato meter rating Weird. on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, with an 84% audience score. And the critics consensus, quote, Angelina Jolie gives an intense performance, but overall Girl Interrupted suffers from thin, predictable plotting that fails to capture the power of its source material, end quote. Um, I don't know who predicted what happened to Brittany Murphy in that movie, but it sure as shit wasn't me. So, mm. okay. Um, but you can watch it for free on Netflix or HBO Max, or you can rent it on Amazon Prime Video or Vudu, and you can be the judge. Yeah. But now we are back in the early 90s. After seeking help for her mental health, Ryder's career continued on, and she starred in blockbusters like Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 film Bram Stoker's Dracula, during which she may or may not have accidentally married Keanu Reeves in a scene during which her character, Mina Murray, marries the stress hero, Jonathan Harker, played by, again, Keanu Reeves. And it was and they, like a real... It was like, a real priest. Priest, yeah. Yeah, and so like I, to this day, I'm like, they, they keep bringing it up and everybody, it's like every time one of them brings it up, everybody it like makes the news and it's like... Did Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder accidentally get married? I'm like, they've been saying this for years and like, they're cool with it. They're chill with it. But it's just like, I think it's funny would to me that it like, keeps making the news. I think they would be an adorable couple. They would. And they make an adorable couple in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And then they uh-huh. were just in a, um, a, a rom-com together in which they play like middle-aged wedding attendees okay um and i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but i believe i watched it on either prime video or hulu and it was it was fine i wasn't like a huge fan of it but it was like an indie type of rom-com called destination wedding okay um and i'm looking it up now you can watch it on netflix but it's it's fine i liked their chemistry in it though i didn't really love the movie but i liked them Mm -hmm. um but yeah so the but the funny like rumor has it sort of story goes that she actually pitched this movie to Coppola after it was, she found it in a pile of scripts that her agent gave her and she passed it along to Coppola when they met to discuss a possible adaptation of Jack Kerouac's on the road. Mm. And ultimately Coppola agreed to make the movie because he saw it as kind of like a bridge building exercise between the two of them after she had unceremoniously dropped out of his movie, the 1990 film, The Godfather Part Two, um, citing exhaustion in the flu, but people always questioned it. And it was like two days before she was supposed to start filming. Like she was there and like Johnny Depp apparently had to go to set and was like, hey, she's not coming. Oh. Um, yeah. 
But so it worked out really well, though, because like, I mean, it's a it's a fucking it's a brilliant movie. If you haven't seen it, like truly it's it it's there's so many things that shouldn't work, but they do like this was not the time where Keanu Reeves was kind of like. It, like that people were like oh yeah that makes sense that keanu reeves would be the hero in a dracula movie uh-huh. um and like gary oldman plays dracula like anthony hopkins is van helsing it's just it's so it, it's such like a it's a cool cast it's a weird cast it's an awesome cast i'd be remiss not to mention that fucking um wesley from the princess bride carrie elways is in carrie it Elways. like and yes. Carrie always comes into Stranger Things. So yes, he does. There we go. Yes, he Look does. That. Like we've got, we've got these, we've got these connections. But yeah, it's just, it's a great movie. You can watch it on Netflix. Um, I didn't plan on going as in depth. Oh, actually, I don't know if you can watch it on Netflix anymore. I think it might have actually just been removed. But um, maybe around spooky time, it'll be back. Maybe around spooky time, it'll be back. And whether it is or it's not, if you have an opportunity, like watch it. And I wasn't supposed to go into as much detail about this as I did. But it's okay, watch it. I, I, yes, I, I recommend that you watch uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and Gary Oldman's weird, like, boob hair thing. Um, but, yeah. So, also, Coppola later said that um, the cast, much of it was assembled as Ryder's dream cast. Mm. And, like, that it just happened to work out. So, like, she was very like she was very much involved like influential in the making of this film um and then she also co-starred in martin scorsese's 1993 period piece the age of innocence for which she earned a golden globe award for the best performance by an for best performance by an actress in a supporting role in a motion picture word salad and an oscar nomination for best actress in a supporting role for her portrayal of the demure yet strong-willed ingenue may welland and Age of Innocence, it stars, um, uh, what's her name, Michelle Pfeiffer, and it, it's it's just, it, it's got, like, Daniel Day-Lewis, who, like, you know that he won't make a movie unless it's good, and it's just a very, like, it, it, it's not what people would expect. I'm trying to figure out how to, like, explain it without giving, um without spoiling it but it's good mm-hmm. watch it all right um and so then as Ryder's star continued to rise so did all of that attention and public scrutiny that johnny depp had kind of also alluded to uh she later told marie claire that she actually had experiences being harassed by multiple stalkers um she had people that would come up to her like she'd be at dinner with her parents and somebody would just come up to her and call her a cunt and oh, they'd be Jesus like i'm a Christ. fan you're a cunt and Whoa. like her family would get upset so then she would get upset um but so she said about the stalker experiences quote i had a few one was really nice he kept showing up as an extra on movies <gasps> and you don't know you have to be careful so i told the director because he was kind of creepy and i got this letter in my trailer the next day that was like i was just trying to get work as an extra just so you know i'm not even obsessed with you anymore i'm obsessed with Alyssa milano now oh my so god he kind of left me for Alyssa milano end quote so Damn. we've got stalking We've got defamation cases. Now we get to a tough part because like I said, there's a true there's a few true crime connections and this is something of a roller coaster and now we are on the the downward side of things. Yeah, let, let's get to we we got a retrospective of her career. Let's get to the uh, the crime. Yes, be gay, do crimes. So, on October 1st, 1993, 
12-year-old Polly Class was hosting a slumber party with two of her good friends at her mother's home in Petaluma, California. Her parents were divorced. Um, and as the girls were playing a board game called Perfect Match, which was, I don't know if you remember this game. I Haley. do remember this game. It was like, like the you minute find you your said date. it. Yeah. The minute you said it, I like spiraled in my brain. I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. My brain did too. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I remember this game. Yeah. Um, but so they were playing it in Polly's bedroom when a bearded stranger walked in holding a knife. <gasps> Fuck, that is literally my that's worst, your worst nightmare. fucking fear. I know, baby. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I should have I should have warned you. I hate um, that so much. I, for anybody who else needs a warning it's gonna get worse um he doesn't just be like hey can i play too um this uh, knife is to cut the little cake that we made in our easy bake ovens so at first polly's friends thought that she was actually just pranking them that she had like had this guy come in to like spook them no but then the man threatened them with the knife tied them up with a strip of cloth and electrical wire and placed pillowcases over their heads oh my god he then grabbed Polly and told her friends to count to 1,000 as he carried her out of her room while she cried and begged him not to hurt her sister or her mother who were asleep in the next room. So after the girls struggled to get free for about 20 minutes, Polly's friends woke up her mother, Eve Nickel, and alerted her to what happened. And according to the Washington Post, in the 911 call, Nickel can be heard saying in a sleepy but still terrified voice that, quote, Apparently, a man just broke into the house and took my daughter, end quote. Oh, my God. Yes. So one of Polly's friends, 12-year-old Kate McLean, then got on the phone, like, on the call. Um, because, like, obviously, like, her mother had just woken up. like, And she, she was and she was actually there for the kidnapping, so. Yeah, she witnessed it. And, yeah. like, like, you know what I mean? And, like, to be a child and to have that... <sighs> To have that like put put on her does that Terrifying. make sense like yeah, yeah. like like it, we talked about last week about um liberty um libby yeah um and how, libby german like how she just had the wherewithal to be like yeah like i'm gonna take a video or like that this little girl had the wherewithal to like pay attention yeah because I would to, be I would be paralyzed and would not be able to remember my own fucking name. So Yeah. 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 Um but so it, it yeah, she hops on the call and she says that a the man said to the girls, quote, Don't worry, I'm not going to touch you, end quote, told them to count to a thousand and said that, quote, everything would be okay, end quote, and Polly would be let go if they basically, like, did what he asked. No. Um, yeah, and so, like, these poor girls, like, I just, I, 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 I can't even imagine how traumatizing. Yeah, absolute nightmare. Yeah, that must have been. Um, but yeah, so... <sighs> A neighbor had actually called the police about a suspicious man on her property the night of Polly's disappearance, and authorities immediately just kind of zeroed in on him and his description. And the news spread around the town quickly, and within about 30 minutes, authorities had sent out an APB, which for our non-US listeners is an all-points bulletin. It's basically mm -hmm. like a, hey, everybody pay attention. And she, she like, they just gave this suspect's um, description and the information was broadcast on the local news. Like, it was just, like, anybody and everybody who can, like, hear 
like who who can pay attention who can witness this mm-hmm. like would just like do that like pay attention you know um i say this i say this because it'll come in into play later because uh, we are still in the eight, in the 90s at this point so it didn't make it past like much further than petaluma and in the city of santa rosa which is about 20 miles or a little over 32 kilometers away for our international listeners um a babysitter noticed a suspicious car had broken down in a ditch near her like employer's property mm-hmm. and notified the homeowner who went to check it out and the homeowner or she called 911 and the police searched the vehicle and interviewed the man behind the wheel who unbeknownst to them fit the exact description of Polly's <gasps> kidnapper <sighs> and they let him go because they didn't find anything out of the ordinary so the search for Polly continued for over two months. Um, over five million flyers with her just this little girl's smiling face were distributed. Uh, search parties with over 4,000 volunteers went out to find her. Um, the case then got national attention when it was featured on 2020 and America's Most Wanted. And that's what caught writers' attention because, again, like Petaluma is where she essentially grew up. Yeah. Um, so not only was this her hometown, but she also saw something of herself in this little girl, later telling People Magazine, quote, I started acting when I was 12, Polly's age. I got a real sense of deja vu, end quote. Mm-hmm. So Joanne Gardner, a spokeswoman for the Polly Class Foundation, later recalled her first phone call from Ryder to Rolling Stone, saying, quote, she was in a hotel lobby in Los Angeles sobbing. She said, this is my town. This is my junior high. What can I do? Do you need money? We talked for an hour and a half. Winona had an awful lot of experience because she'd had some horrible experiences of her own being stalked and all that. Mm -hmm. She'd had some psychologists that she knew. She had some FBI people that she knew. I mean, this woman, I've always been a fan and she's a lovely little creature, but she astonished me with her grasp of the situation. This is not a let's go open a shopping mall kind of stuff. This is life in the balance kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. end quote. And coincidentally, not only did Polly catch Ryder's attention, but Ryder had caught Polly's attention years before. In fact, a teacher had once told the girl that she reminded her of a former student, Winona Ryder, Mm -hmm. which delighted her to no end. Imagine telling a middle schooler like, oh, you remind me of this like hometown hero who's like super famous. Yeah. Um, But a friend later said that Polly's biggest dream was to someday meet Ryder. Ryder went on to offer a reward of $200,000 for Polly's safe return, which is over $410,000 today. Wow. Yeah. And in November 1993, so about a month after Polly initially went missing, the same woman that called the police about a suspicious man on her property the night of Polly's disappearance found a pair of torn ballet tights on her property, which matched the same ones that Polly was wearing the night that she was kidnapped. Meanwhile, a palm print found on Polly's bunk bed came back indicating that the kidnapper was Richard Allen Davis, who had a long rap sheet. Um, he was believed to have ki- to have already killed a woman. Um, he went to jail for like burglary. Uh, he went to jail for like, I believe for um, what do you call it for like um, a, like a prior kidnapping or attempted kidnapping Uh but like it was mostly burglary burglaries like either way like he he had a rap sheet um and yeah police brought him in and he broke down and confessed almost immediately 
and said that he had kidnapped Polly and strangled her to death, mm. murdered her. Um, in December of that year, Davis led authorities to her body, which was badly decomposed and hidden under some brush alongside Highway 101. Cloth and pieces of rope were found in her hair, which supported Davis's confession of strangulation. Mm. And what's even more tragic? The Washington Post later reported that Polly was allegedly still alive when police questioned Davis after his par- car broke down in Santa Rosa. Wow. Like, had that information gotten out. Yeah. They, yeah, they would have, could have saved her. Yeah, you think like an all points bulletin would go out a little bit farther than just the, the town that you're in? Yeah, it was because it was also because there weren't like those databases. Yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, it, like I'm I'm saying like yeah, they fucked up, but like there was a lot at play that caused this fuck up. Yeah, um, there wasn't one singular perpetrator. Yeah, but yeah. So after going to trial in 1996, Davis was found guilty of first degree murder with special circumstances: murder committed during the commission of burglary, robbery, kidnapping, and murder murder committed during the attempted commission of a lewd act upon a child under the age of 14 and sentenced to death and he remains on death row and currently resides in san quentin state prison and following his daughter's death polly's father mark kloss did i say his father's death daughter's death? i don't know it was his daughter's death his father didn't i mean his father's probably dead but like his father didn't die i'm talking about his daughter but polly's father mark kloss created the polly kloss foundation which is a child search organization that according to its website is quote dedicated to the safety of all children the recovery of missing children and public policies that keep children safe in their communities end quote hmm. and it has helped quote more than ten thousand families find missing children wow yeah Polly's murder also helped push California's, quote, three strikes you're out, end quote, initiative into law just months after she was killed. Uh, The law mandates that uh, criminals convicted of two or more serious felonies should be getting 25 years to life in prison. And although she never got the opportunity to meet her favorite actress, Polly would go on to forever be connected to her because writer first she... Uh, first and foremost, she persuaded Universal Pictures to turn the February 1994 uh, Los Angeles premiere of her movie Reality Bites, mm-hmm. in which she starred, into a benefit for the Polyclass Foundation. Wow, okay. Yes. Um, and then she starred as Joe March in the 1994 adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. Um, she received an, uh, her second Oscar nomination for Best Actress in a Leading Role for her portrayal. Um, but she dedicated that performance to Polly and convinced Columbia Pictures to dedicate the entire movie to her as well. Wow. And it was because it was Polly's favorite book. Mm-hmm. And you can watch the movie on Netflix. I highly recommend that you do because it walked so Greta Gerwig's Little Women could run. Um, but yeah, so Ryder remains to this day a strong supporter of the Polly Class Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, like career up and downs all of it like she has remained steadfast in supporting it she still talks about it she still works in support of it Mm -hmm. um in 1985 Ryder recorded a spoken word reading of the diary of anne frank very famous very well known everybody in an english class has ever read it Uh uh-huh uh for which she received a grammy nomination whoa yes and though she was raised in a non-secular household Ryder does identify as jewish and is of Ukrainian Jewish and Russian Jewish descent. And many of her family members were actually murdered in the Holocaust. Wow. So 
the project was particularly special to her. Hmm. Um, and she became one of the few non-musicians to be nominated for both an Oscar and a Grammy. And later laughed to Harper's Bazaar, quote, I was sure I was going to win. I thought I was a shoe-in, end quote. Because, the, hello, who was going to vote against the Diary of Anne Frank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she did lose, ultimately, <gasps> to Sir Patrick Stewart reading Little Red Riding Hood, which is just like, wow. God fucking damn it. Okay. Like, <laughs> all right. Wow. Yeah. And then shortly before her 29th birthday, on October 6th, 2000, she was awarded a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame at 7080, or 7018 Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And that brings us to what I guess we'll call the thing. The thing that everybody knows. The big titty goth girl elephant in the room. At about 7 p.m. on on December 12, 2001, Ryder was arrested after security staff at Saks Fifth Avenue on Wilshire Boulevard in Beverly Hills. I don't know why I suddenly can't speak California. Um, You know, the full name of that that city. Wilshire Um, Boulevard, I believe, is is it the same street that... Biggie was shot on. I think he Might was shot be. on Wilshire Boulevard. You did that Boulevard. episode, bitch. Yeah, I think he was. I don't know. I've been there, so that's, that's why I don't claim it, that episode. <laughs> it's why it's ringing a bell. But I don't know. That just another uh, yet another true, Boulevard. Another true crime connection. It could be one of those streets that's like a it million is. miles long. So it is. It's probably it is. not even in the same area. But whatever. It definitely not. I, no offense. I highly doubt anybody has ever been shot on the Wilshire Boulevard section in Beverly Hills. But I could totally be wrong about no, that. It, and somebody's it is. probably going to come for me. It is. It's, it's, he got shot in Beverly Hills? Yeah. It's right by LACMA. Oh. Almost. See? Yeah. There we go. There we go. I am wrong. I, see? Haley beat y'all to it. Um, but yeah. So... Uh, employees said that they spotted her stealing over $5,500 worth of clothes, hair accessories, and a handbag. Um, According to Lieutenant Gary Gilmond of of the Beverly Hills Police Department, a store video surveillance camera picked up Ryder stuffing, quote, numerous items of clothing, end quote, into a large bag that she had brought with her into the store. Choice buyers. I know. Sources also said she was viewed using a pair of scissors to remove security tags <gasps> from the merchandise. Yeah. And when Ryder went to leave, she was detained on the sidewalk in front of Saks and signed two civil demands in the security offices of the store before she was arrested by Beverly Hills police, binding her to pay for the stolen and surrendered merchandise Ooh. as permitted under California's statute for civil recovery for shoplifting. So she doesn't get to keep it, but she has to pay for it? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Kenneth Evans, the head of security at Saks Fifth Avenue, later said that writer apologized and said, quote, my director instructed me to shoplift for a role I was preparing for. I'm sorry for what I did. End quote. Huh. Okay. Which became that became something of an infamous excuse connected to the crime. Like, that's what everybody kind of latched on to. I was even saying to Haley at the beginning of this episode, because I was like, wait, she where blamed did that her come director. from? That she blamed that she was doing it for a role and said that her director advised her to try it. At Saks Fifth Avenue, you can try to fucking shoplift at the dollar store? I was going to say, 99 cent store, baby. They got great stuff. Don't don't knock it. Um, But yeah, the thing is, though, Evan said she didn't say what the role was that she was preparing for. Or who the director director. was. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So... Ryder was in custody for about four hours before she was freed on $20,000 bail. Holy shit. And, yep, Beverly Hills. 
Um, and Lieutenant Gilman confirmed that she had been charged with felony grand theft and possession of pharmaceutical drugs without a prescription. Oh. Um, well, but uh, while Gilman refused to say what the drug rider was caught holding was, sources later confirmed that she was carrying Zoloft. Okay. The antidepressant. Yeah. Yeah. Which she um, has had a history of. Depression and yeah. all. We'll, we'll get, and we'll get to that. We'll get yeah, to that. Yeah. Um, but Lieutenant Gilmond also said that Ryder was cooperative with the arresting officers and did not appear to be under the influence of drugs, saying, quote, she was very courteous, polite, friendly, a true lady, end quote. And I'm like, yeah, spoken like a true Beverly Hills police officer. Yeah, right. But Ryder immediately came under public scrutiny, not just for stealing, but because people felt that it was like, well, you can clearly afford the clothes. So why are you stealing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because God forbid we think maybe it's mental health. Um, and many sources, like, in reporting on this, I found, would be like, Winona Ryder, who owns a $3 million mansion in Beverly Hills, shoplifted $5,000, like, just yeah, really, yeah. like, pick, pinpointing that. Yep. So, Ryder hired celebrity defense attorney Mark Garagos, who called the incident, quote, a misunderstanding, end quote, and told the press that he had no doubt his client would be cleared of all charges, saying, quote, she had receipts for a number of items, end quote, and that the SAC security staff had essentially just jumped the gun when they acted and had her arrested, saying, quote, the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing, end quote. So he okay. immediately placed the blame on them, but doesn't mention the, like, my director told me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. As for the prescription drugs, which at this point were still unnamed, Garagos insisted that Ryder was in legal possession of them. So negotiations, first they tried to negotiate a plea bargain, um, but that didn't come, come of really anything by the end of September, of, by the end of the summer of 2002. Mm -hmm. um, and Joel Mowbray from the National Review noted that the prosecution was not ready to offer a no contest plea on the misdemeanor charges. So the trial began that fall in 2002, and in her opening statements, the prosecutor for the case, Los Angeles Deputy District Attorney Ann Rundle, said that Ryder had walked into Sachs, quote, with the intention to steal, end quote. Hmm. In what has made recently a viral resurgence, during the trial, Ryder's attorney tried to refer to her work with the Polyclass Foundation and other charitable causes. She serves on, like, the board of a... Um, scholarship organization that provides scholarships to native american kids okay. like college scholarships like she does a lot of charity work but um so he tried to point to that he's she's done work for PETA. i'd like i all right i gotta stop um <laughs> but he tried to point to that and it in response rundle said quote what's offensive to me is to trot out the body of a dead child end quote and kind of implied that Ryder got so involved in her charitable works but specifically the polyclass case because of the the notoriety that it would get her and not because she was so affected by it oh yes and Ryder was visibly upset at the accusation yeah and the judge like called out rundle and was like hey cut that shit out um, but outside the courthouse, Polly, Polly's father, Mark Class, was there and he defended Ryder to the press and expressed his outrage at the prosecutor's comments. Yeah. So Ryder was also accused of using drugs during the trial, including oxycodone, diazepam and Vicodin without having a prescription for them. 
And she was ultimately convicted of grand theft, shoplifting, and vandalism, but was acquitted on the vandalism. charge of burglary. Vandalism. Because she was cutting off the tags. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Um, so she was ultimately convicted of those and acquitted on the charge of burglary. And in December 2002, she was sentenced to three years probation, 480 hours of community service, $3,700 in fines, and $6,355 in restitution to Saks Fifth Avenue. And oh, she yeah. was ordered... Yeah. Saks Fifth Avenue really hurting. needs it. Yeah. The Beverly Hills location of Saks Fifth Avenue is really God hurting. God for fucking bid. Uh, I mean, she shouldn't have. Saks Off Fifth isn't even hurting. She shouldn't have uh, taken it. the merchandise, but also they got all that merchandise back, probably didn't even have to wash it, put tags on it, and put it back on the shelf. So, yeah. Yeah. did you really need that fucking money? And it, restitution it's, more than what the items cost? Okay. They threw the book at her. They threw the book at her. Yeah, they wanted to make um, an example of her, probably. Yes, they wanted to make an example of her. And I mean, yes, white people should be convicted of their crimes and white people should be held oh, yeah, accountable for, sure. for their actions. We're not defending her as a white person. We're, we're just saying that, like, it, no matter what race, this is a little excessive. Yeah. Uh, and it was clearly that they were targeting her celebrity. Yeah. Uh, rather than, you know. Also, um, I don't like Saks Fifth Avenue, so I'm kind of just shitting on them as a company. So. <laughs> All right. Whatever. Saks Fifth Avenue. Don't sponsor us. You heard it here first. Except, please do if you want to give us money. Like, I'm not going to say no. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, a, but... I'm, a, I'm a slut for money, so <laughs> yeah. give me money. But also, your products are stupid. So money, whatever. please. But yeah, so she was also ordered to attend psychological and drug counseling, mm. which on its own perpetuated that mental health stigma. Yeah. Um, but it didn't help that the tabloids also began like circling back and recalling how just a few years prior in 1999, when she was doing all of that press for Girl Interrupted, she talked about her experiences with anxiety and depression, particularly Diane Sawyer, who was like, she, you know, fucking Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Um, and it was not out of the ordinary for people to have mental health issues, obviously, but it rarely got airtime and it was not something that like a well-known actress would be willingly coming out and speaking out about. Uh huh. So Ryder later told Vanity Fair, quote, I think by doing that, maybe coupled with my physical size, there's this crazy thing. And I've realized recently it's literally possible to try to change that story, end quote. Mm hmm. So on June 18th, 2004, Superior Court Judge Eldon Fox reviewed Ryder's probation report and reported and observed that she had served her 480 hours of community service. So the felonies were reduced to misdeme misdemeanors and she remained on probation until December 2005. And this case, it just became something of an iconic moment in pop culture. Like I said before, everybody kind of latched onto that. Oh, like my director told me to do it sort of thing. And no, it never came out what movie she was filming or working on that like. She wasn't. What it, oh, it was it was 100% a, a lie. I, I'm pretty sure. There was a movie that fell through around that time, but I don't know what the details of it okay, were. Okay, okay. Um, and based on what she has said in interviews, which I'll get into like later. But this is also why you don't say anything until you've spoken to your lawyer. Exactly. Babies, 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 babies. Like, we've talked about this. Do not Just speak to the say cops. Say nothing. Yeah. Say nothing. Do not say Unless anything. the word coming out of your mouth is lawyer, do not say it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so, and that's, and that's everybody that's everybody's right that's your entire right yep. because otherwise you're going to be like publicly ridiculed for being like oh yeah what was that movie like yeah. not even just not even just yeah like it could get you out of like a hairy situation yes 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 but also like you know what's also a hairy situation just being made fun of for years it sucks yeah the um, public ridicule is uh it's it's, it's real. real 
It's real. Yeah. But so it, it was just like it was kind of iconic in pop culture. And like, for example, the like I said at the top of the episode, free Winona kind of became the, the popular Internet slogan. Uh, like but it was fans. like it was like was it really fans or it was memeing it right it, it was, was memeing it but it was still fans fans would yeah. buy the shirts P- fans would buy purses that had the slogan on uh, it in support yeah. um and even even Ryder appeared on the cover of w magazine the two th- the june 20 2002 um cover wearing a free winona t-shirt mm. like kind of as like a like a you know like a wink wink nudge nudge like a point uh-huh. um however her career after this conviction and everything even like after this after she stole all of it just immediately almost suffered as a result mm-hmm. um the the roles started to dry up things were getting canceled not just because of her but because like money and then she was just making like not like just not bad career choices in like in terms of like oh you shouldn't have done that but just like in terms of like the movies weren't doing well and it wasn't a result yeah. of her. It was just like, you know how it is. Like, And the productions don't want that kind of notoriety surrounding no. their own film. Like, cause then it's like, you're not talking about the movie. You're talking about the crimes of somebody that is in yeah. your movie. And that's look at Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Like it, inevitably, like it, it just, it takes a toll and the industry is a very fickle beast. Um, but in a June 2013 interview with Interview Magazine, Ryder said that she was actually thankful for the incident because it was the wake-up call that she needed during what was a very difficult time in which she was clinically depressed and had been prescribed heavy-duty painkillers by a quack doctor. And before you say, like, oh, yeah, we've heard it all before. No, like, this dude had his medical license revoked by the Medical Board of California years later for unethically catering to, quote, the demands of wealthy and or famous drug seekers for prescription narcotics, which would otherwise have to be obtained on the street. And holy quote. shit. Yeah. This dude was a nut bar and he was giving her these drugs for her significantly clouded judgment. And she was saying or that they significantly clouded her judgment. And she was saying to interview quote, you know, that was something I was dealing with before that thing that happened. I was starting to have some trouble before that. Mm. I think a lot of people think that that is what has sort of sent me off in another in another direction, but I was actually starting to have some trouble a few years before. And then there was also a couple of movies that I was going to do that were all set up, and then at the last minute they fell apart. And with what happened, I was living up in San Francisco and I really needed the time off, which ended up being a couple of years. In a weird way, it was almost like the best thing that could have happened because I'd never asked myself the question before of, is it okay if I'm not going to act? Is there anything else? Because Mm. that was all that I really knew. But what I eventually realized was that there were all these other things that I was interested in that I had sort of tried before, but I'd always had to stop because I I had to go to work. Mm there were all of these very interesting paths in life that I I could explore. And so I started to do that. There was a foundation that I had early on, but I think I lost my footing, you know, obviously. But then I sort of regained it. I have to admit though, that every time I hear comeback, blah, 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 it's kind of hard for me. I'm not trying to be super sensitive at all, but there is a little bit of defensiveness because I do feel like I have contributed, end quote. Mm -hmm. She also later told Time Magazine, quote, look, I think I'll forever be associated with that. Definitely. In the grand scheme of things, it wasn't exactly the crime of the century. Yeah. End quote. 
Ryder, like I said, she didn't work much in film following the incident. She kind of took time for herself. And then also, like, there weren't there wasn't a lot of work for her. There were a few movies here and there, such as the love interest in Adam Sandler's 2002 comedy, Mr. Deeds. Mm -hmm. Um, In early 2011, she maintained a personal box office record, according to IMDb, when she for the first time in her career had two box had two movies place in the top five highest grossing movies over the weekend at a domestic box office Mm. and those movies were darren aronofsky's 2010 film black swan which Uh received multiple oscar nominations including best picture she was we'll get to that in a sec i don't even remember and she was in ron howard's 2011 comedy the dilemma which was allegedly the first role she had to audition for in 17 years wow i don't even remember that movie either it's not a good movie it's on hulu but like mm, but it was one of the highest Um, grossing it was one of the highest grossing. It had Vince Vaughn and Kevin James, who fucking ruled the box office in the early uh, 2010s. Yeah. Are we kidding? Yeah, that's um, true. So particularly Ryder's portrayal of the tragic yet unsettling aging ballet dancer Beth McIntyre in Black Swan was thought at the time to be a possible re- revival of her career. It's why she was referencing that comeback everyone yeah. was talking about in that interview. Um, but it surprisingly didn't go as one would have hoped, and her career remained relatively stagnant until David Simon fought to cast Ryder opposite Oscar Isaac in 2015's HBO miniseries, Show Me a Hero. I don't remember that either. It, it, I mean, it's on <laughs> HBO, and we, we are poors without cable, so it it would make sense that we wouldn't Yeah, I guess so. know it. But after that... It, that led her to be cast as Joyce Byers, mother mm-hmm. of Missing Boy and possible upside down link, Will Byers. Don't and spoil. His brother, and his brother, Jonathan, um, in the Duffer Brothers hit Netflix series, Stranger Things, which we can all watch on Netflix. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. And that is, as we say, our episode. It is. Wow. I really didn't know that that first story about the uh, the young girl that was killed and how it was. Holly uh, Class. Yeah. I didn't know how that was um, uh, connected. connected to her, but wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'd heard that name before, but I, I don't know where. But yeah that's, yeah, that's a wild connection. Yeah, very. I mean, it's like I said, we got we got our ups, we got our downs, but things seem to be on the uptick for her. Yeah. And I hope it stays that way because it seems like, you know, she's made mistakes, but she you know who hasn't had some mental health issues especially lately yeah exactly um and so like it's same thing for her same thing for like i mean even like we've talked about kanye before like if he gets help like i hope he does like yeah it it, seems i mean he's going through a very tragic uh like downfall of his marriage and just when his mother died yeah and, and it was like a freak thing yeah so like he's going through some shit and we've all gone through some shit it just happens to be in front of the entire world yes and that's exactly what kind of went down with her she yeah. was on a she was in the spotlight from like realistically like fourteen, fifteen, and well i think that's that a it's, lot it's a similar situation to what we talk about with any like celebrity and their true crime connection look at ezra miller like being yeah. in the spotlight in like front of the camera and being in the news uh for so long obviously like any little thing that comes out about your life like is going to make the news and it's hard to be under such a an extreme microscope absolutely yeah but yeah so that's been that and uh you can find us on our website 
We're at crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. We also have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as a Patreon. You can join for as little as a dollar, as much as whatever you want, and um, you get rewards at every level. You could be listening to this episode early. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could be getting a postcard from us. You could be chatting with us. Uh, you could be voting on episodes. It's a fun time over there. Go check it out. Yeah. Um, and I guess with that, we're no. gonna s- what? Do we no. have? Do we have something else? It's the end of the month. Is this the last Mom. episode of the month? Yes, Haley. We're recording on July thirtieth. No, this is the first Fuck. episode of the next month. Fuck, this is you the first dumb, episode of the month. Dumb bitch. I need to go. We thanked our patrons at the end leave. of the last episode, which was the Patreon poll pick. I have to go. I need to leave. Yep. I would. So, I would like to be released from this narrative. Uh, as I was saying. <laughs> I was so certain. We will see you next Tuesday for the second episode of the month. And oh lordy, have I been to see you next Tuesday. All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.